Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil deeds, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the, as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There is no denying who you think you are or what others say who you are influences the way you think, the things you do, and what you say. <clears throat> On my first day of uni, uh, my course convener sat us down and told us, from this day forward, we are designers, and that we must eat, breathe, and sleep design. This meant that everything in our lives needed to change, from the way that we talked, to the way that we fought, to the way we dressed, and the things we do. Now, it might sound a little bit far-fetched, but there is an element of truth in what was said, because our identity will genuinely shape our life. But in a world that is ever-moving, we know our identity changes as life changes. I can tell you that I'm not the same me from five years ago, or even the same me from last year. Along the way, I've learnt more, I've seen more, and my friends have changed, all because I've been influenced by things in society or experiences in life. But in an age of podcasts, spiritualities, and schools of thought that suggest different ways to reach our fullness, we can easily forget the Christian identity and before we know it, be swept back into our old ways. Well, today we're going to be continuing on in our series, Confident Christianity, uh, on the book of Colossians, uh, and where we're going to be learning how we can have unwavering confidence in Jesus Christ in our current ways of our culture. And as we come to our passage today in Colossians, 
Despite things like podcasts, how they can be helpful, Paul is going to remind Christians of their deep-rooted identity in Jesus and how that will transform the way they live. Uh, Or to use my course convener's words, how identity in Jesus will transform Christians to eat, breathe, and sleep Jesus. So Paul starts off uh, by saying, since we have been raised with Jesus, set our hearts, our minds on things in heaven. Last week, Paul has already reminded us that we share in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Physically, our bodies may not be there, but spiritually, we are so deeply connected in Jesus that Paul writes in verse 4 that he is our life. We cannot get any closer to Jesus than we already are because we are spiritually united in him. And that is why Paul instructs us to set our minds and hearts on heaven where Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. You see, Paul is telling Christians to immerse their entire thinking on Jesus and what he has done. But it's not like setting our minds like a New Year's type of resolution where it will be quickly forgotten. This setting our minds is like when you go on holidays, when you spend every breathing moment and even when you sleep dreaming and planning about the holiday that is to come. When I went on my recent holiday, my friends and I spent months setting our minds on things of Korea. We watched countless YouTube videos when I probably shouldn't have. We researched days on out, places to eat, places to see, things to do. And for me, I spent a couple of months trying to learn the language. And this is because I knew in October I will be in Korea. And likewise, Paul tells us to set our minds on Jesus, on who he is and what he has achieved on the cross because there is something waiting for us at the end. Verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears then, you will also appear with him in glory. You see, what is waiting for us at the end isn't a pat on the back from God. It isn't an extended holiday. It is glory, the same glory that Jesus has. You see, Christians don't only share the benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection. Christians also share in his glory that Jesus will bring when he comes again. It's hard to imagine what it means and what it may look like, but what I can tell you that there's nothing going to be like it. There's going to be no blemishes, no sin, no pain, no missing fingertip. We're going to be perfect. We're going to radiate God's glory because God is deeply connected with us. That is why we are to set our minds on Jesus as we wait for him to return. But it's not because setting our minds on Jesus makes us Christians. Paul's trying to say, because we are raised in Jesus, that is why we strive to have our minds set on him. Because Jesus is supreme and sufficient over creation, and he has brought us into fullness. And so as we wait for Jesus, as we set our minds on him, there is a reality where our day-to-day lives will also be transformed and changed. So Paul gives us an image of taking off dirty, muddied clothes 
and putting on new, freshly ironed clothes instead. Paul starts off with what would you take off? Or in his words in verse 5, put to death. And this can be separated into two areas. The first area where to put to death is ungodly sexual activities. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You see, the society that we live in, by large, may argue that these behaviors and attitudes aren't bad, especially if they don't do any harm to anyone or if there's consent. But he, Paul, says that these things are of earthly nature. And as people who are united in Jesus, who are seated in heaven with Jesus, this is not who we are. God has created sex not as a tool for instant gratification. God has purposed sex for a reason and has placed it in its good order. But what sin has done, has it, it's perverted it. It's made it feed selfish, evil desires that corrupt the soul. You see, the way that the world sees sexual activity is very different to the way that God has created it. But in a world that values individual freedom, pleasure, self-expression, and the notion of being true to yourself, the truth is it can be hard to overcome and turn your back on it all. And the truth is we don't become entrenched in pornography, whether it be in books or videos overnight. We don't constantly desire to be unrightfully sexually satisfied overnight. Our eyes don't become trained to look for that male or female to fulfill fantasies overnight. These are months and years of constantly being fed little by little images and ideas of earthly sexuality. But luckily, our effort to put to death our ungodly sexual activity is not solely based on human effort. Putting ungodly sexual activity to death is ultimately fueled by knowing our identity in Christ. Knowing that we've been raised in Christ and that we share in his glory. The more deeply we are rooted in Jesus, the more we see its incompatibility with our identity, the more resolve we will have to put it to death. The second area that Paul says that we need to put to death is ungodly speech. Paul writes, because our identity is now rooted in Jesus, we have to rid ourselves of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. These things are not to have part of the Christian life. But you may be thinking to yourself, how does anger, rage, malice relate to ungodly speech? But isn't our anger, rage, and malice usually shown through the words we say. Now this isn't to say that anger is not allowed in the Christian life and it is possible to express it rightfully. But if we were honest, who can honestly say that they have? I'll be the first one in the room to say that never once was my anger expressed rightfully. But instead my anger has been expressed out of my selfishness and my own self-righteousness. It's my voice, my opinions, my desires that matter most at that moment. And you see, this is important because our words is like a window that shows the world who we are. 
It is a reflection of our identity and what we value. What comes out of our mouths is the reality of our hearts. So we are to put to death ungodly speech. But not only does ungodly speech show who we are, sharp words, racism, slander, and even humor that targets other people that breathes from anger, malice, and rage can all be devastating to the people it's directed to, whether it be face-to-face, behind their backs, or even on social media. Now, we live in a culture that thrives on this. We live in a culture where to put down someone can actually be a sign of affection. But so often can we use our culture as an excuse to express our anger, our malice, So let's not take our words lightly and dismiss the weight of how hurtful words can be with a simple, oh, I really didn't mean it, or I was joking. Let's not let what is so commonly practiced here in Sydney as a way for us to express ungodly speech. Because as people whose lives are in Jesus, we live lives that are countercultural. We live lives that reflect God's goodness and the glory that is to come. And ungodly speech has no part of it. So if ungodly speech or ungodly sexual practices is the old muddied clothes that we are to put to death, what is this new freshly ironed clothes that we are to put on? Well, firstly, it starts by knowing that the new self we are called to put on is all based in knowledge. Not worldly knowledge, but godly knowledge that is revealed to us in the Bible. It is in the Bible that God clothes us. It is in the Bible where he renews our minds and refocuses on the things above. It is in the Bible that God reminds us of our deep-rooted identity in Jesus. Reading from verse 9, Paul writes this. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in its image of its creator. Notice this renewal is not a one-time thing. Yes, we're already brought into fullness with God and nothing will ever change that. But as we wait for Jesus to bring us into full glory, our earthly bodies is in a process of constantly being renewed. The reality is that even though we are brought into fullness, our bodies are in constant tug of war with our earthly lives as we live lives in Jesus. But as we immerse ourselves in the Bible, the more we know Jesus, the more we understand our identity in Jesus, the more our earthly bodies will be renewed and become like who we are now in Jesus. And this is true for everyone. This is true for anyone who trusts and put their faith in Jesus. No matter our nationality, no matter our status, no matter where we live, no matter what job we do, no matter your interests or your past or your struggles in life, this is true for everyone. The truth is Jesus is in you and Jesus is your life. And he is there bringing us giving us strength and power to put to death our earthly desires and live the lives that we have been brought into. 
But if that's not enough, if that's not enough to remind us of our identity in Jesus, Paul spells it out even further in verse 12. He says not only are those who put faith in Jesus in Jesus, but they are also chosen people, holy and dearly loved by God, just like how God loved Jesus. What an amazing privilege that is for God to say to you, you are mine and I love you. And so because Christians are God's chosen people, we are made to be a people with transformed hearts and transformed relationships. Paul writes, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness. But above all of this, put on love. Now this isn't the sentimental romantic type of love but it's a deep love like that of Jesus which drove him to the cross and be to be buried for our sins. We are to put on this love because it is the unifying factor between all these virtues. But we're not to put on these virtues just because they make us good, likable people. We're to put on these virtues because Jesus himself, who is our life, is the perfect embodiment of all of these. Jesus showed compassion as he cried upon seeing all the lost people in Jerusalem. Jesus showed kindness as he dined, conversed, and loved the outcasts of society. Jesus showed humility as he, even though is supreme, took on a form of a servant. Jesus shows his patience as he waits and desires for us to put full faith in him. And he shows his forgiveness as he bears the burden of our sins, our wrongdoings on the cross. And ultimately, he does this all because he loves us. You see, the core to put on these virtues can be best summarized as to clothe ourselves in Jesus, to envelop every nook and cranny of our lives with Jesus, to eat, breathe, and sleep Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever looked up to someone so much that you wanted to be like them? For me, it was always any athlete of a particular sport I'm into at that time. And because I want to be as good as them, I will watch them play. I will study the films, replay after replay, and analyze everything they do. And to the best of my ability, I'll try and copy them. Now, Similarly, this is what it looks like to clothe ourselves with Jesus. Like studying films, we are to immerse ourselves in the Bible where we see Jesus most clearly. We set our minds on things of Jesus and look at his character. We clothe ourselves with Jesus because he is the perfect example of compassion, of kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. But you may be sitting there thinking that this may sound good and all, but in experiences of life, this all seems too hard. Maybe you're drained from parenting young kids 
overworked and underappreciated at work or feel like life is spiraling out of control. Maybe you have people around your life that is hard to love and hard to be patient with. Maybe you've been wronged so deeply that it feels impossible for you to forgive. How can clothing ourselves with Jesus become a reality of our lives? Well, firstly, I believe it starts with setting our minds back on Jesus and ourselves being rooted, deeply rooted in the identity. Only when we remember who we are will we remember what we are made to be. Secondly, dare I say, is to actually practice these virtues. For example, I know for me, after dinner is a time where I am most impatient. I've completed my day routine and I finally have time for myself. So for someone to come up to me and intrude that time is a nuisance. So it is in these times that I have to remind myself of who I am, praying and asking God for strength and work extra hard to be patient and to be kind. These things may look different to you, but it is important for us to recognize where we struggle and make a conscious effort to address it. Because the reality is nothing is going to happen, nothing is going to change if we just sit there and try and will the change in our lives. But lastly, I believe a way to see clothing ourselves with Jesus, a reality, are the final three instructions of what that Paul gives in the passage we're looking at today. Paul firstly tells us to let the peace of Christ rule our heart. This peace that Paul refers to isn't something that is mystical and intangible, but it's the deep-rooted truth that through Jesus' death and resurrection, we have been brought into fullness. He also instructs us to let the Bible dwell in us richly and to encourage and teach one another. You see, as we let the Bible dwell in us and be the thing that motivates everything we say, do, and think, we will be reminded of who we are and of the fullness that we have been brought into. And the more we remember who we are, the more we will be likely to live like who we are. Lastly, maybe the best way to summarize it all, Paul writes this in verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God for the Father through him. You see, all that we do, our thoughts, our speech, our deeds, should be all done to promote who Jesus is. Yes, the reality is as we wait for Jesus putting to death our earthly desires and putting on the new is going to be hard work. But we do this because of what Jesus has done for us as he died on the cross of our behalf. And no matter what we may be going through right now, we can be a people of thankfulness because we know that God dearly loves us. You see, Paul's message here is plain and simple. Set your minds on Jesus. Let him occupy every aspect of our lives so that our lives, our thinking, our doing will be transformed into who we are now. God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that we've been raised in Christ and that in him we have been brought to fullness. We thank you that we are given an identity as your chosen people, holy and dearly loved. And so we pray that as we wait for your son's return, that you help us set our minds on him, that our minds will not be filled with worldly wisdom, but be set on your knowledge revealed to us in the Bible. So we pray that you give us strength to put to death our earthly desires and to put on Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.